That video is a representation of our partnership in South Sudan in the town of Ye, uh, where we're establishing a multiplication center for churches to be uh, built, believers uh, to be discipled, and those who are far from God to find life in Christ. And we do it brick by brick. But the real question that I think we need to answer today, and as we come to the end of our journey through the Gospel of Mark, uh, Wednesday night, we'll finish out uh, the Gospel of Mark, and we will have covered the whole book in 2023. Uh, But as we come to the end of our journey through the Gospel of Mark, and this series called Following Jesus, I think one of the questions we need to ask And certainly one of the questions that people around us may ask is, why should I follow Jesus? You get down to the very basic question, why should you and I follow Jesus? As Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem, as he passes through the gates, Making his way to the temple, he unveils for us his royalty. And I believe he also helps us understand why we should follow him. Turn in your copy of Scripture to Mark chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Begin in verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he'll send it here. They went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. Some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Loosing the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus commanded. So they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw clothes on it. And Jesus sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from trees and spread them on the road. And those who went before and those who followed after cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the the twelve. As we look at this passage, and your uh, copy of Scripture may have a heading for it, Triumphal Entry. If you were to look in the other Gospels, you would have a a similar occasion where Jesus enters Jerusalem for the final week. This is his final week on earth, uh, and he is making his way to Jerusalem so that he might die. Remember last week we looked, Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom For many. Now, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, 
And through the drama of this first day of the last week in Jesus' earthly life, he plays out for us why you and I should follow him. I don't know how many of y'all travel, and if you travel, I don't know how many of y'all use um, your phone to get uh, a ride from point A to point B. I use Uber. There's an Uber app. And what I do is if, if I'm in, I don't know, someplace like Chicago, and I'm there in Chicago, and uh, somebody says, well, you know, Eric, I'm in the hotel. And they say, Eric, look, there's this great place to eat, and you need to go to that. If you're going to eat anywhere, you need to go to this place to eat. And it's about five miles from the hotel where I'm staying. I pick up my phone, and I go to the Uber app. And I plug in the details. This is where I am. This is where I want to go. And I say, get me a ride. And it does its magic over the internets and all the digitizing and everything. And it communicates to somebody out there in La La Land. And it comes back. Now, suppose I've put in the details and it comes back and it says, okay, you can get an Uber X ride And it's only going to cost you $1,234. Immediately, I'm like, uh, no. But I go back and I look at the details. And because I have fat fingers or whatever, I have given instructions for this Uber ride to take me from the hotel, not to a restaurant in Chicago, Illinois, but to a restaurant with the same name in Louisville, Kentucky. So I have to go back and I have to plug in the right information. And if I plug in the right information, instead of $1,234, it costs me $28.95. Great savings. On top of that, it gets me really where I want to go. Well, one of the things that I think you and I need to understand is that we are plugging information into an app in our lives, and we're getting a result that is costly, sometimes even disastrous. We're following instructions. We're following um, uh, ideas or philosophies We think we've got it right. We think, okay, this is A and this is B. And if I just plug in those details and I follow this wisdom in front of me, it's going to get me there. But the cost is so high. We're looking at it and we think, well, is it really worth it? And the answer is, of course, not. You know, depending on who you follow or what you follow, the result is either going to be life-giving or death-dealing. Depending on who you follow or what you follow, the result is either going to cost us everything and give us nothing or cost us everything and give us even more. When we ask the question, why should we follow Jesus, I think 
what we understand and what we come to grips with, especially in this passage, is that as Jesus is entering Jerusalem, he is entering as the king. He's entering as the one whom we should follow. He's not uh, hiding in the circle, in the shadows. He's not, he's not trying to keep things a secret. As he enters Jerusalem, we're going to see this, as he enters Jerusalem, he's entering in such a way that people are going to say, wait, 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 this is the one. This is the one that God has forecast who would come, and if we follow him, it might cost us everything, but it gives us even more. If we follow this one, he will give us life. So as we look at this passage, I, I, I want us just to answer the question, why should we follow Jesus? There are three things I want us to look at. The first is we should follow Jesus because Jesus has absolute authority. Now, what I mean by that is um, verses 1 through 3. Mark 11, verses 1 through 3. Jesus said, go to another village. There's going to be a colt tied up. Get the colt and bring him back to me. If anybody asks you why, say, the Lord has need of him. Now, you might say, well, that's just kind of whatever. I, no, 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 no. Jesus saw the colt, and he knew it was going to be there. And he sends his disciples on a mission. And to them, they were running blind. But to Jesus, he had perfect knowledge. He understood exactly what was going to happen. And if the disciples followed his instructions, they would fulfill their mission. Not only that, if anybody asked, he, he told them, here's what you need to say. The Lord, not just a good teacher, not just a, a Jesus of Nazareth. No, I am the Lord. I'm the creator of the cosmos. I am the one whom God, uh, uh, upon whom uh, God's favor rests. I am the Lord. Now, what that means for us is that, first of all, Jesus has the authority to do whatever Jesus wants. Jesus knows perfectly what's going on in your life and in mine. Jesus understands absolutely the circumstances that swirl around us. Jesus is not only the one with perfect knowledge, but he's the one with the absolute power to do what he wants. He is the, the, the image of the invisible God. He is God in flesh dwelling among us. He is the king of glory. He's the Messiah forecast in Psalm 118 that we read a few moments ago. Uh, forecasts in Zechariah 9, 9, and 10 that we're going to look at in a second. Jesus is the king, and he has absolute authority, and what he says goes. My goodness, the disciples had already seen this. Can, can you imagine following Jesus in the first century? You're following along beside him. Here's what the disciples have seen. They've seen Jesus who has authority over a storm that rages. And Jesus speaks to the storm and the storm stops. They've seen Jesus who has authority over a pack of demons possessing a man. And Jesus speaks to those demons and they are demolished. And Jesus is the one who has authority over disease 
so that a blind man comes and Jesus casts the disease away and the man is healed. Jesus is the one who has authority over death itself so that he goes up to the grave of his best friend Lazarus and he says, roll the stone back. And he looks into the depths of death and he sees it square. And then he says, Lazarus, come on out. And Lazarus comes out and death is defeated. They've seen Jesus do all of these things. So when he says, here's some simple instructions, go to another village and go and you're going to find a colt and that colt's going to be tied up to a rail and just unleash that colt from that rail and bring him to me. And if anybody asks, just tell them that the Lord told you to do it. They were like, okay. He's got authority. Now, here's the disconnect for us. We read stories like this, and we hear it, and we immediately want to think of it in terms of a fairy tale. Once upon a time, Jesus said. We, we, want, to, we want to look at it like a fairy tale, and we pick out some moral lesson, like we're reading a Mark Twain novel. We, we look at it, and we say, well, this is a, 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 this is a Snow White kind of story. Uh, this is um, the, uh, uh, the, the story of seven dwarves. This is, this is a, a fairy tale. And we're gonna, we're, we, it didn't really happen. Or if it happened like that then, it's not going to happen like that now. And I would say to you, suggest, oh, no, it's absolutely true and it's absolutely real. And the way Jesus worked back then is the way Jesus works right now. He is the Lord of glory. He is the king with absolute authority. And he knows exactly what's going on in your life and exactly what circumstances you're facing. And he says to you, if you will do it my way, if you will follow me, then Jesus says, I will give you strength. I will give you security. I will give you courage. I will give you confidence because when I say it's going to happen like this, it will happen like that. You hold my hand. I'll lead you through. Trust me. I'm Lord. And, and can I humbly suggest that you'll find security and strength, courage and confidence in none other the way you'll find it in Jesus. I, he's not a myth. He's not make-believe. This isn't just some made-up story. This is real life in real time. And if you want to ask me, yes, I know. I know it's real because he's shown me. He's taken me when I was lost, and he's brought me into the light. He's taken me when I was dead, and he's given me life. This is Jesus. He gives me courage every day. He gives me confidence to walk according to the path that he's paid for me. He gives me strength. He gives me security. And if I'm following him, holding his hand, I'm going to be okay because he has absolute authority. Why should you follow Jesus? Oh, friends, you can follow any Pied Piper that you want, but none of those Pied Pipers going to get you where Jesus can get you, the way that Jesus can get you there. And Jesus gives us security and strength, courage and confidence if we follow him. We follow Jesus because he has absolute authority. We follow Jesus because he gives us peace. He gives us peace. Now, again, what's this whole business about a cult? 
You might say, well, that's just a detail thrown in there. Again, like, um, uh, you know, snoozy uh, dwarf or angry dwarf, whichever one's all right. It's just a detail. And I said, no, 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 no. It's not an accident. It's not some made-up myth. This is the fulfillment of what God promised hundreds of years before about a Messiah, about his king. And Jesus said, go to and get a colt, and you bring that colt back to me. And it's a particular type of colt. It's a special colt. No one sat upon this colt before. This is a colt that is a separated for special service, and, 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 and you bring that colt to me. And then Jesus begins to ride into Jerusalem, the place where this great anticipation was for the Messiah, the king that would set their world right. And Jesus is sitting on a colt, and as they watch him coming into Jerusalem on a colt, not leading the colt, sitting on the colt, riding the colt, they immediately begin to think, that's what a king does. That's what the king does. And they think back to Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. Zechariah 9, 9 and 10, listen, listen to what God promised. He says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold your king is coming to you. He is just, and he holds salvation. He is lowly, and he's riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I'll cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow, the battle bow, that's B-O-W in case you can't understand my southern accent, the battle bow shall be cut off. And this king will speak to the nations, and he'll say peace. And his dominion shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. He's promising a Messiah, a king who would come, and that king would deliver peace. But it's not political peace. It's personal peace. It's not peace in terms of kingdoms and nations as Jesus enters Jerusalem. It is peace The kind of peace that every person needs. Not bound by geopolitical ideas or ideologies. This peace is between a a sinner like you and me and a holy God. Jesus came to deliver peace between us and God. And here's the reality. We need that peace. What separates us from peace is our sin. What separates us from God is our sin. And until we have peace with God, we'll never have peace in this life. Until we're made right with God, we will always be wrangling around in the depths of our souls, struggling for peace. And Jesus is the king who came to deliver peace. Peace here is a picture of what Jesus came to accomplish. He is the man of peace. He is the prince of peace. And he gives his life as payment for the sin that separates us from God. The barrier between us and God is our sin. Jesus came to abolish that barrier so that we might, through faith in him, experience a life marked by peace with God, made right with God. So here I am. I'm dead in my sin and trespass. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. There's no hope for me. 
Because I have no peace with God. Sin has made me an enemy of God. My sin, not some intangible force. Me, choosing, rebellion against God has made me an enemy of God. And so God sends Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm the Prince of Peace. I've come to tear down that barrier between you and a holy God. And so he goes to a cross, and he lays himself down on the altar of sacrifice so that he might pay the price that your sin and mine demands and deserves. And he dies in our place for our sin so that he might make peace between me and a holy God. He shatters that barrier between God and myself. And he invites me to enter no longer a stranger or foreigner to the promises and covenant of God, but now a son, now a daughter in the family of God through faith in Jesus. I now live in peace with God. Now, can I tell you something? When we have peace with God, then we have peace in life. When we have peace with God, that's what gives us satisfaction in life. That's what makes life characterized by purpose and passion and peace. Because now I live hand in hand, heart to heart with a holy God. I am the created now because of Jesus living out my life the way the creator intended intimacy with him and Jesus came to give me peace with God so that I might live in peace each day Paul said it this way Philippians 4 he said be anxious for nothing it means don't be anxious about anything that's what that means be anxious for nothing but in everything Through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And then this phrase, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You want peace in this life? It's found only in the bringer of peace. His name is Jesus. Because only Jesus can make us right with God, make us fit for God's family, bring us peace in peace to God so that we might have peace in life. Why should we follow Jesus? Because you're not going to find peace anywhere else. Please hear me. You're not going to find peace anywhere else. Why should we follow Jesus? You're not going to find peace anywhere else. Not in a relationship, not in a job, not in a promotion, not in more money, not in more possessions. You're not going to find peace in the absence of conflict because We live in a world where conflict will never be absent. We're going to find peace only one place, and that is in Jesus. As he rode in on a colt, he was laying claim that I'm the king who brings peace. Why should we follow Jesus? Jesus has absolute authority. He is Lord. He gives us strength and security, courage and confidence when we follow him. Why should we follow Jesus? Because he brings us perfect peace. He shatters the barrier between us and God so that we might have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we have peace in this life. Why should we follow Jesus? Because he rescues us from our sin. I've already touched on it, but let me just say it again. When Jesus walked in, uh, uh, rode in on the colt as Messiah, as the king of Zechariah chapter 9 and uh, verse 9, and people saw it and 
Maybe they couldn't believe it. Maybe they'd seen stuff like that before. But man, they began to they began to have an awakening inside. They said, "Oh, Hosanna!" That's Psalm one eighteen, verse twenty five, twenty six. Hosanna, Lord, save us. Lord, help us. Have you ever woken up in the morning and said, "Oh God, help me"? You might not even believe in God. Maybe you've been in those spots in life where you said, man, oh God, help me. That's a right prayer. It's the right prayer. God, help me. God, save me. And Jesus enters Jerusalem and everybody's shouting it. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Lord, save, we pray. Hosanna. And Jesus just keeps on trekking because he has come to save. It's in his name, Jesus, Yeshua. God is my salvation. It's in his character. He is the light of the world. Whoever believes in him will never walk in darkness again. He came to save. It's in his conduct. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Yes, friends, understand when Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, he rode in as Savior as well as King. But the salvation that he would bring demanded a death that he would die. So at the end of the week, he was arrested taken to a cross where he died in the place of sinners. And this is God's plan. Look, every one of us, every person here, comes a point where you recognize that you are dead inside. And you are dead inside because you have sinned against God and your sin has separated you from God. And the greatest enemy of life for you or for me, for anyone, the greatest enemy in this life that we face is our sin. It's killed us. And Jesus came to our rescue. Jesus came to die for our sin in our place so that we might be rescued when we place our faith in him. Look, friends, there's no way that you can overcome the power of sin on your own. You can't get good enough to overcome it. You can't be strong enough to defeat it. You can't surrender to it. You are stuck. You are dead. And yet Jesus came as he walks through, uh, rides through the streets of Jerusalem. He comes as the king to save, to take us in our depleted strength and give us his grace to take us in our decrepit state and give us his righteousness. Friends, Jesus came to save you, a sinner. He came to save you. I mean you. You might say, I don't deserve it. Oh my goodness, God says you do. You can't earn it. But God says, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to die for you on a cross. And if you will put your trust in him, and if you will turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, 
The Bible says you'll be saved. God promises you'll be saved. Oh, God, save us. And God says, there's Jesus. He's the one. Trust in him. So why should we follow Jesus? Because you're not going to get saved any other way. Look, why should you follow Jesus? Because there's no other way for rescue to happen in your life. Only Jesus has the power to defeat sin. So follow him. When Jesus comes to, uh, into the streets of Jerusalem, verse 11 says that he goes to the temple and he evaluates, he scrutinizes. Uh, verse 11, New King James says he looks around, but it's that, that verb for look around is more. It's, it, it, it's a scrutiny. He's evaluating. He's evaluating the kind of life the people in the temple are experiencing. He's evaluating the hearts of those who claim to walk with God. I think what he's evaluating is whether or not the people in the temple are fickle fans of the moment or faithful followers for life. And I think he's doing the same thing here this morning. He's scrutinizing you and me. Oh my goodness, he's looking to the depths of your being and your heart. In, in, in verse 11, he's looking around the walls. He's gone up the steps and through the, through the, uh, the gates of the temple and he's uh, passed through the court of the Gentiles and even past the court of women and he's gone to the place, the entrance to the Holy of Holies and he's looking and he's, no, he, he, he's, he's evaluating the people around him. Um, and, and later in this uh, chapter, we see him cleansing the temple because in his evaluation, there were a bunch of fickle fans who were enthused for a moment, but man, they weren't following after God. And he cleanses the temple in the same way. I pray that God would cleanse your heart and mine. Let's not be fickle fans of the moment. Uh, just, just energize for now. Get up on a Sunday morning, man, my people are going to be there and I'm going to celebrate. We're going to sing some songs. It's going to be great. And leave here Sunday afternoon and go and cuss our way through the rest of the week. Oh, no. Let's not be fickle fans, but be faithful followers. Why? Because when we are faithfully following after Jesus, then we experience his lordship in our life. We have security and strength, confidence and courage. But if we're not faithfully following him, we're letting go the confidence and the courage, the security and strength to go our own way. Look, you're a Christian, but you don't like it. May I suggest you're not faithfully following Jesus. You say you're a Christian, but you don't want to do what Christians do. May I suggest you're not faithfully following Jesus. You're following Jesus, and he gives you hard things to do. You say, I don't want to do those hard things. I'm not about to do those hard things. That's not what Jesus wants me. Jesus wants me to be happy. <laughs> yeah, but he knows what's going to get you there. You don't know what's going to get you to happy. You know what's going to be easy, but that's not necessarily going to get you to happy. What Jesus says is, if you will follow me faithfully through the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, through the dark uh, shades of, of, of the day and the bright lights of tomorrow, if you will follow me, trust me, 
I'll lead you to strength. I'll lead you to security. I'll give you confidence. I'll give you courage. I'll lead you to happy. But you've got to faithfully follow me. I, I, I think that one of the reasons why church is so impotent in the 21st century in America is because we have a bunch of fickle fans for the moment. And God's calling us to be faithful followers for life. So right now, Jesus is scrutinizing your heart and mine. He's, he, he wants to know, where, where are you? Are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus even when it's hard? Are, are you following Jesus even when it's inconvenient? Are you following Jesus even when your friends don't like it? Are you following Jesus even when your family doesn't understand? Are you following Jesus? Let's not be fickle fans. Let's be faithful followers. So come to Jesus. This is it. I mean, you want to know what to do? Here's what you do. You come to Jesus. You say, well, I'm fearful. And Jesus will give you, Jesus will give you courage. What? I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm depressed. And Jesus will give you hope in the midst of your depression. Man, I'm lost. Jesus will come and find you. <laughs> He'll come get you. My friends, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. He's the only one that's going to lead you to life. Bow your heads with me, please. These next few moments, I pray that you would simply pray this one prayer. Jesus, am I following you? Would you be willing to to pray that one prayer? Jesus, am I following you? And if you're not following him, would you be willing today to commit? Jesus, I will adjust everything in my life to follow after you. Jesus, you're the only way for me to find security and strength, courage and confidence, because you alone are Lord. Jesus, you're the only one who can give me peace. You're the only one who can rescue me. Jesus, I'm going to follow you no matter what, no matter where. I'm going to I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow you. Will you make that commitment today? Be a faithful follower for life. Through the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns. Regardless of circumstance, surrounding, friends. Will you commit today to follow Jesus? Oh God, I pray that you give us the faith that we need to come to you today. To hear the promise that we're about to sing, that if I'm thirsty, I can come to you and you will satisfy my thirst. That if I'm fearful, you will come and you will give me hope in my despair. That if I'm lost, you will come and you will find me. God, I pray that we would follow after Jesus with all that we are so we might live for your glory every day. Now be glorified as we worship you and respond to your call. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.